This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. India produces approximately 14 lakh engineers per year. I'm not adding diploma, I'm talking about degree. Okay. There are 80 lakh Indians who are pursuing different kinds of engineering, either B.Tech or an M.Tech or a PhD at this point of time in India. We don't need so many. It is my privilege to have with me on this episode of Jamsters, one of the finest business leaders of India. On this episode, I'm joined by the ex-managing director and CEO of the global engineering conglomerate Thermax and now the CEO of IIT Bombay, Monash Research Academy, MS Onikrishnan brings over three decades of global experience in the energy and environmental sector. However, he started out as a management trainee with Thermax and with his grit and vision, led the organization to over $1 billion in market capitalization. It's wonderful to reconnect with you again and thank you for being on Jamsters. Thank you. Thank you, Hardik. Uh, it's also a great pressure for me to be with you. Uh, someone whom I respect a lot on account of the fact that uh, the kind of diversion that you've been able to take from uh, an engineering career into a social media career and a change maker, a thought leader. I'm sure it's my privilege also to be with you and spending some time. Sir, I think that is too, too generous. But let me ask you with starting, how are you doing, sir? Very well. Uh, I would say that uh, COVID did... Uh, uh, really transformed the life for all, all of us for good. I've never uh, had anything negative about uh, accepting the death and maybe the misery of people. Otherwise, uh, uh, it had been one of the greatest advantages uh, that I would look for humanity. Mm-hmm. It's a transition at a faster pace of digitization of life, uh, which encompasses our day-to-day life. Uh, plus uh, the manufacturing industry, commerce, service, everything getting at an accelerated date of uh, rate of digitization. And I would say that the uh, average uh, uh, health of people have improved mm-hmm. rather than it going down. And the ambience has improved a lot more. Though once in a while there is a spurt of a higher population. Hmm. Uh, human beings are spending a lot of time with their near and dear ones. Uh, a lot of, uh, though there may be some cases, normally negatives get reported a lot more. That uh, hmm. psychological problem that people find at work from home. But in my personal experience, uh, post my marriage, I've never had so much of time spent with my wife. And when my son used to be around over here also, <laughs> the oh, quality nice. of time that you spend with them. So when you look Fantastic. at a lot of positives, I would say that past years had been good two years. Yeah, there had been a lot of hardship for a lot of people. As much as possible, the society, each one of us had been uh, holding their hands and to ensure that uh, they also do survive. Fantastic. Fantastic. You know, towards the end of sometime last year, uh, when we met over lunch on the IIT Bombay campus, I remember something vividly you mentioned. And I want to pick things up from there. You mentioned that... Uh, you felt that you were in the right place with the role that you currently are at, uh, which is the CEO of IIT Bombay Monash Research Academy. And you also mentioned that innovation, whether it was with startups or education, still seemed to be sorely lacking in India. And I was particularly curious because I think everywhere the buzzword is disruption and innovation. And yet here you are talking about something that is still lacking in India. I'd, I'd love to get a take on that. Why, why that perspective yet? Well, uh, we are a very young uh, democracy. And uh, 
if we are to look at the past 75 years uh, of our independence which we are into the 75th year i would say that uh, a lot of good things have happened but what has not happened in the good uh, is uh, a fervor of science to be created uh, across the country uh, hardik if you were to go back to your school days your college days and the engineering college days mm-hmm. how many of those scientific equations or theorems that you learned theories that you learned uh, pertain to an indian inventor if you mm. go to look at it there are no unni's uh, uh, equation there are no hardik mm. uh, theory that you learned <laughs> this all science which has come from the developed world mm. okay and if you find the roots back about how it happened is the real scientific uh, advancement in life as well as into the uh, industrial processes happened between maybe uh, 1700 Uh, to be precise somewhere in 1780s that's a time when a stupid engineer by the name of james watt invented steam engine so the mechanization of life started with the steam engine mm. then uh, of course you started uh, electricity being generated from the steam engine that is steam generators have started so electricity has come in so the lift of technological advancement which has impacted the human life uh, at the pace of development had been almost vertical a draft of maybe a 3 to 4% development year over year for maybe centuries have started becoming i'm talking about scientific advancement double digit to triple digit with uh, electrical engineering happening me- mechanical engineering to electrical engineering to electronics engineering to controls automatics and now artificial intelligence happening in the entire period of 1700 to say 1947 uh we were uh, under the rule of uh, we were a, we were called part of a colony of uh, many people there mm-hmm. so that is where the scientific uh, advancement of the world has happened and india missed the entire 200 years so that is why you have not uh, uh, learned an unni's theorem or unni's equation so mm. i mean whereas, uh, you had a lot more of them learned from outside and we have started copying in our education system left over by the britishers Uh, we started with the same sciences which is suitable for uh, maybe a you know cold country when i always used to wonder why is it that the colder part of the world got developed faster than the tropical and the hot climate areas you look at uh, north america entire mm-hmm. of europe the places which got developed in the world are uh, normally having ambient temperatures in less than 20 25 degrees centigrade daytime night of course can go to maybe very low and in winter it is negative also so most of the technological scientific advancements are based on a root temperature itself of an average of uh, you know i would say if you call ntp which you learned in your college if you remember normal mm, temperature mm. and pressure that is 25 degrees centigrade now tell me how many days in majority of india you will have 25 degrees centigrade ambient temperature during daytime and majority of the activities to happen mm-hmm. it is in 30s and 40s and some places are touching in rajasthan at 50s so most of what was based on the datum are not good for india so we are trying to copy what is there that is what i come I normally talk about i mean that india has got to find its own uh, technology for anything that we are trying to make uh, solutions for day to day life uh, industry manufacturing processes construction uh, every every area so for that uh, you need to 
have scientific knowledge technology doesn't come from thin air it is not dropped from by a helicopter by anybody it is developed from science mm-hmm. so unless you got basic science capability you will not be able to create technology so if you want to look at the creation of wealth or creation of prosperity path it starts with the science from science by inventive capability innovative capability you create technologies so science gives technology from technology utilizing that you create a commerce that's what is commerce all about which mm-hmm. india is very good at right now if there is a technology available we know how to convert that into commerce and make money out of that all your current startups are from technology and then making commerce out of that once you got a commerce it naturally becomes an economy so that's the next stage so science to technology to commerce to uh, economy once you got a flourishing economy there will be a need for politics because you got you created wealth now you need to distribute it so that's the other end of it mm-hmm. so end of the day it starts out with innovation of technology from science which as a process in the country is not very well established whereas it's got very well established in maybe uh, the entire europe uh, america japan korea now china and india has got to be innovative so we started it quite well i'm not trying to say it is not happening in the country mm-hmm. uh, see scientific uh, innovation or technological innovation uh, normally starts with a research work conventional studies uh, for a degree that is maybe uh, says art degree that's ba or a commerce degree bcom or maybe you talk about an engineering degree btech uh, all of this are fundamentally from existing things which are knowledge already available mm. and that's translated uh, into books in the earlier days now it will be online it will be available on the net media you learn that memorize it give a test and depending upon your memory capability uh, you get your degree i mean uh, rank or uh, class first class equivalent all of that so it is fundamentally you added on lot more of information to your brain little processing done in the classes either online or offline and then your memory power is tested and based on which you get your degree so there is nothing that you added to knowledge to the world while doing this degree course mm. then the second level you go and do a masters when you do a masters it's a, you are specializing because for example you look back at your uh, commerce uh, bcom uh, there in a mcom what you learn is banking uh, of a detailed nature which may not be even uh, known to anybody I mean, mm-hmm. i'll say uh, so sorry in the normal world so it will be a teaching uh, of a specialized nature whereas since it may be engineering mechanical engineering you will do masters in thermal engineering or maybe you'll do in aeronautics or maybe in say maybe machining machine design so it's a specialization but there again there is a textbook available and uh, further uh, i mean your memory is tested little of creativity could be there but there is nothing that you created till such time you do a masters degree you may have a topic and you are researching uh across uh, with a clarity that wherever there is a cutting edge information available to that you start with that and you try to be creative and uh, at the end of your phd program you suppose you have created something which did not exist till yesterday so that is only program in the entire world in my understanding in the education series uh, 
where somebody does anything innovative. Yeah, of course, in the industries, uh, people do innovation without any degree. Because that is where mm-hmm. uh, you're creating newer products with the existing knowledge you add on to that. Certainly, it is being done. It is already done in India. But for a major part of our 75 years of independence, we worked on technology which is already available to us. Not that, I mean, we created something from mm-hmm. thin air. Mm-hmm. In fact, I still recollect uh, Mr. Narayan Murthy, whom I respect a lot. Uh, I mean, he's really understood India in every aspect of it. He mentioned two or three years back in one of his, uh, I think, convocation speeches to some one of the major uh, institutes in this country that we have not done anything creative in this country for the past 50 years. Mm. His uh, statement made wow. by somebody who understands India very well. Wow. And I corroborate uh, the entire thing. There is nothing that we have created as a product or a solution or anything which has had an impact of the entire population of the world. Are you with me? There would have been something which uh, we would have invented or created which will be local in nature. We had capability, but we did not utilize it. So Mm. today we started that process. So I'll give you some numbers because why it is very important to understand. China produces on an average uh, uh, 150,000, 150,000 PhDs, researchers uh, in a year. Mm -hmm. Means 150,000, 150,000 new learnings inventions or maybe innovations are done by them in a year. It could be in scientific world, it could be in art world, it could be in the world of commerce, it could be in the world of business. And our number is hovering between 15 to 18,000 per year for the same kind of population. Not that they were an advanced economy uh, for centuries. They were the same size as India till 1979 when Deng Xiaoping started developing the country on a faster new capitalistic way when he started it. And America with maybe almost equal to one-fourth of your population creates something like 40,000 in a year. And if I had to go back to a country like say maybe Denmark, which has got the maximum for every million population, they have more than 8,000 PhDs or doctorates in their country. And your poor country is currently at 240, 250. Oh, so wow. you know in the scientific fervor, for us to be innovative as a country in every aspect of it, a lot of people who talk about frugal innovation, all those, uh, I'm not uh, writing a venue that I'm only trying to say that is trying to live with whatever is the means available. But that's a very not, stark disparity. I mean, the numbers that you mentioned are extremely, um, I mean, startling. Absolutely. And uh, unless the problem with uh, us in some of the areas is there is no information or knowledge available related to the need for innovation, technology, and solutions needed to our day-to-day problems through science uh, to the ruling elite of this uh, country, whether it is the center, whether it is uh, a state level, municipal level, uh, because uh, that's not the way we progress. We have possibly taken administering the uh, country from 1947 till today as having too many problems, so let's solve one by one. And the bigger one gets attention for it. But a futuristic thinking uh, related to what would happen to a country 20 years down the line, 50 years down the line, 100 years down the line for the society. And what do we need to create and keep it ready for uh, us to be uh, solving the problems that are going to be arising? We are still stuck in the current or maybe in the past. Mm. So with all Mm. this, what I'm telling, I'm not trying to say even for a moment that uh, nobody is doing anything. A lot has happened, uh, started happening uh, in the recent past. I can see a lot more of thought processes evolving. Uh, 
say, I'm just giving you an example of this. I'm not trying to be political. Please don't take any message out of that. <laughs> we okay. had a planning commission earlier, hmm. which is to plan for five years for the country. Planning for the country for five years with a population of 130, 35 crore right now, even when we started that process, our population was at independence of 45 crore. So maybe 60, 70. Knowing fully well, our population was increasing, I mean, growing by two plus percentages those days. Hmm. If you perspectively for five years and do things for five years, how by the time you implement it, because for example, a power plant will take maybe five to six years in India to complete. Those days could have been 10 years. Where a steel plant will take maybe near to uh, seven or eight years to complete because including land acquisition. Mm -hmm. Anything that capacity creation, you start a port or an airport from the land acquisition time, uh, maybe it can be taken anywhere from a five years to 20, 25 years because I still hear about the new Pune airport and new Bombay airport for so many years. It's not happened so far. I will. Mm -hmm. So those kind of five-year block planning, uh, block execution could have been the right way. You make a plan for uh, 25 years or uh, 50 years. And in the five years block, I'm going to execute it and I'm going to allocate money. Are you with me? From there, we have now changed to a new system where that uh, execution portion has gone back to the ministries and the government is getting it organized. And the planning commission today is uh, Niti Ayo, where they talk about what exactly I mentioned about what would be the energy future of this country hmm. and how do we become, uh, yeah, how do we become you know, climate change mitigation program compliant. I must ask you at this juncture because uh, you, you've mentioned about such a breadth of areas, uh, but I want to go back to a, a point in time that you mentioned and you made me reflect rather on uh, my engineering days. Uh, I'm curious to ask you this question because this is something that um, really gives a deeper perspective into how is it that uh, we would like to reframe our education uh, upbringing. If you had to repick your choice of subjects uh, today, uh, what would you choose to study now? I would have still chosen uh, engineering as a path. But what I do uh, believe is that, uh, say, India produces approximately 14 lakh engineers per year. I'm not adding diploma, I'm talking about degree. Okay. There are 80 lakh Indians who are pursuing different kinds of engineering, either B.Tech or an M.Tech or a PhD at this point of time in India. We don't need so many. So, mm. our, not that everybody wanted to be an engineer and they've gotten to engineering college because they felt if you become an engineer, you can get a job which can pay you sufficiently to look after your family. So, mm. the securitization of life is what has driven majority of people to engineering, not because they love engineering. So, the education system, which uh, I did mention to you that point of time, where are we going wrong? Right from beginning, the way the system got uh, uh, created, not that Indians created, it is already left over by uh, Britishers and we continued and they have gone away from this, but we still continue to be sticking onto that. Mm -hmm. The reality is that why do we need to be having a student learning multiple languages starting with? A Japanese doesn't talk uh, English everywhere. A Chinese do not talk uh, English everywhere. A German doesn't, in fact, they French. They only have one language learned. So it doesn't confuse a person to have a transponder created in the human brain to learn multiple languages because you can't think in different languages. Are you with me? So while communicating, they have to think in one particular mental language and a transponder is needed to either speak in for somebody like me in Malayalam to Marathi. Mm. Because I lived in Maharashtra for predominant part of it, or Hindi or in English. Are you with me? 
So there is, if there is need for it, he will do it. Human beings have that ability to transform and correct it and change it. That they will do. But but, but why would do you, would you want challenge? to pick and choose? Would you want to pick and choose subjects? I understand you wanted to pursue engineering. I'm going to come to that only. I'm going to come to that only. That is where the crux comes. So starting with there. So we have designed the education system. Then again, everybody should learn mathematics. And there is one to twelve standard is common for mathematics for everybody. Then you are going to learn. At least I can understand the tables to be learned. But once you have got a calculator, do you need to be having everybody having that to be done? I don't know. I I, I don't have an answer for it. Science in that everybody will learn physics, chemistry, biology, and then uh, as you go further, you just remember all what you studied and wasted your time is what I would say. So you created a lot of generalists who are mm. confused by the time when they are maybe. Twenty, twenty-one years. Um, at least eighteen years. Up to eighteen is a common study. Everybody does the same thing. Maybe mm-hmm. in the eleventh and twelfth standard, you may possibly talk about it. That eight to ten hours the student is wasting in the class. I would rather say that when the physics is grown to a level where I would say they attain the age of maybe twelve uh, early teens, I would start vocational training in the schools that are in existence in the country. And we, ex- I mean, we need the people to be technicians. No, I told you, you don't need so many engineers. Mm-hmm. And uh, say so that. Just imagine, India will have in the next maybe uh, also must be already having more than a billion and a half uh, mobile phones, and as and everybody will have now more than one. Everybody will have a tab also with that. How many people are there uh, who can open a mobile phone and repair it and give it back to you? So you look at uh, home automation happening. So maybe. Fifteen years, twenty years down the line, every home, whether it is a one room or maybe a huge bungalow, will be automated. How many people are there to manage a home automation system? So, if you go that way, earlier days we only needed uh, maybe blacksmiths, we needed uh, maybe masons and carpenters. These were the major technical functions performed by human beings, other mm-hmm. than their cultivation in the field. But mm-hmm. today things have changed. So, are we exposing our youngsters? When they are at maybe twelve and thirteen in the age standard, to have uh, uh, how to open a mobile phone and maybe science of an upper nature which are taught today, there is no need to teach the uh, basics anymore because the quantum of knowledge that they need to be acquiring in the age that they can acquire. Please remember, your learning abilities are the peak at young age to maybe at twenty one, twenty two. Beyond that, it is a very limited level of learning capability. Systematic learning only is possible there afterwards. Otherwise, they are all fresh. Uh, you know, uh, thing where the brain is absorbing, looking around for knowledge. That's mm. the age. So they are vocational training in every school, and you don't have to create vocational training institutes, which many people mistake. There are nearly twenty-five lakh schools in existence in this country. Okay, primary to uh, the higher level. Yeah, many of them are in the rural areas, may be working in a hut, and may have only one or one and a half teachers. But we need to be focusing a lot more on that to ensure that we give a vocational training possibility, and then the person at certain level, exactly the same question that you asked me as to he choo- or he or she chooses which is the area of interest for that particular person to have a satisfied life, happy life, and also an earnings out of that, and they choose, and then they pick up whichever is the area that they are wanting. And in that they start working, uh, maybe towards the late teens or early twenties. And uh, once they uh, continue to be earning money, is able to stand on his or her own foot, 
then at certain level they decide no i want to go for my advanced studies then go for engineering mm. go for masters go for a phd and when you are deeply involved in that when you do a research in that you will come out of something any and you improve in that particular area you bring in improvement into that so this is the kind of education system that india need to be adopting for the kind of population that we have and thankfully we still have time available because our youngsters i mean we have the demographic dividends so right we have so we have still time to skill them then japan will find it very difficult because majority of the population are upwards of 40 years of age so that right. time the absorption capability of the human beings are not so good so we still have an opportunity but if we try to continue with the same system that you will only do up to 12 10 standard the same thing that uh, somebody in uh, kanyakumari and kashmir will have to learn the same thing no that's not the way to do hmm. talents are hmm. different capabilities are different so that is the way you are going to be going in so when when point. i think about my time as an engineer uh, one of the things that i would have loved to probably explore is uh, the multidisciplinary nature of learning just like you interestingly mentioned that the 20 21 22 age bracket is where you can absorb uh, up till then uh, the quickest that's also the time when uh, we as undergraduates uh, sort of move into the professional work like the transitioning period uh, but some of the subjects that i would have loved to learn was probably history and philosophy and sales and negotiation and communications uh unfortunately things of that nature weren't really an exposure then at all um and 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 it's only later in life that you realize that your hard chops uh, are definitely important but uh, moving up the order uh, you know progressing in life the eq the iq that we you know loosely throw around these words are are so so important equally as well i totally agree with you in fact see there is a system in this world the market demanded a mechanical engineer maybe uh, 80 years back 70 years back so you had a mechanical engineer in that whatever were the topics needed by the purchasers that is of the people who are recruiting the recruiters mm-hmm. so between the recruiting community and the, the 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 pedagogy community they decided what is going to be taught now today the community which is uh, uh, recruiting are complaining for at least 20 years that i am aware of that Uh, anybody comes coming out of indian engineering colleges are not uh, job ready that is why they need to have an apprenticeship for one year two year three year need mm. they are not ready to be uh, you know deployed directly so with the changing times we have not been able to uh, you know change the pedagogy and there i would uh, say that uh, the predominant part of the normal education is controlled by the state governments there is a state education minister then there will be a uh, you know a director for uh, lower education higher education secretaries then technical education there will be a separate department bureaucracy was controlling this and is controlling even today and though the funding will come from a lot will come from university grants commission they didn't have a big role then center created aict so we had too many authorities on the government deciding about the young children mm. as to what they should do so this uh, uh, earlier uh, world prevailed in the communist countries and that is where when we adopted socialism post independence during the uh, then dispensation ruling dispensation it is good that point of time because you didn't have a direction how to go so you need to give a direction it is needed but there was no need for us to be continuing with this uh, controlling uh, the education system so, so, so what even you're today telling is that they are still very archaic in nature is that what you're hinting at 101 percent 
scrap the position because in any case you privatized this in the past maybe 20 25 years mm. and with the rules and regulation uh, of reservation being brought into education now substantially at the higher highest level so the government oriented systems will be following that you know uh, needs of uh, some of those the freedom is going to be going away from there so that is why the private educations are virtually taking over and going forward in that front they are going to be the prime institutes of the country give or take maybe 20 years i look always so forward i don't think uh, the iits of the country or the iims of the country are going to be the premium there will be private institutions where the freedom of operation right from uh, you know recruiting as meritocracy will prevail let me say mm-hmm. let me not talk about government versus uh, private also wherever merit of because end of the day you need to have capability within you to be uh, you know advancing at a faster pace so once that is going to be catching on in the world meritocracy is going to be there uh, then the control even if the government wants to control they won't be able to but as of today i want to say despite the best of the intentions of the uh, governance in every part of the country whether it's state or center education is controlled by them it is not the right thing to do in fact as much as we are privatizing the you know industry they are giving up the psus the the education through the psus let us say the government controlled it 100% autonomous departments uh, i mean you have uh, uh, even today an upper control uh, related to who will become a vice chancellor mm-hmm. who will become maybe various uh, functionaries these are all hierarchical in nature i don't think it is a pure there is intended to be meritocratic at some point but once uh, intention may be good but when you put a system beyond a level it becomes very hierarchical in nature learning can't be uh, hierarchical in nature that is something which we need to be understanding earlier days you had teachers okay and that concept of teaching is changed in the 21st century a human being decides what he wants to learn otherwise he will just shut his mind which has happened even during our time also you go back in those days hardik there were classes uh, where uh, topics that you were interested but if the teacher was not good enough you will not go to the class very true very true and there are days when even the most interesting subject if you had a late night or maybe you had a fever or maybe some pain on your leg you will not give attention to that so learning is a process which has got to do with your uh, biological system that the physical system which translates and gives message in the mental system so mind has got to open to absorb that way so it is controlled by the body Are you with me? So these right. are things that people have understood today. Teaching is just like I mean pouring water. Whether your receiving vessel is kept the receiving way or the ulta way is decided by the human being. Hmm. So hmm. some of this have to be changing. So that is where I spoke about with the systems available on a net based learning. You need to have a wider topics made available. I would say that fundamentals are to be known to everybody. So if I were to be a decision maker related to a B.Tech course today, I would say, ideally speaking, 50% of the topics should be compulsory because those are the fundamentals. Right. Balance 50 should be left to the students to choose as electives. But we will offer two and a half electives and say that's all what we have. Sorry. Today with the net-based learning available, you can have say, I mean, as many, I would say 100 electives should be available. and then ala card the student picks based on his liking 
True. So, I mean, that's essentially what's happening right now with the edtech companies, right? I think the plethora of options the startups are giving to everyone and that's irrespective of the age uh, and the demographic, uh, you know, the, the geography that they're coming in from. The opportunity to learn across a variety of subject is huge. And that's exactly what I was actually hinting at a little while back that, you know, it's become like a Netflix choice of uh picking and choosing and learning and making your own education career along the way. I think I was reading this a little while back that a lot of people are dropping out of institutions. I, I'm not in the encouragement of it. So please do not take this as, as word of it. I'm just talking what I read uh, is that uh, people are also now picking and choosing uh, of, of things to learn by themselves, which they feel is important to accelerate their, you know, learning and growth in life. There are two factors in that one. I'm totally in support of that one. Uh, though there will be a lot more of uh, uh, intervention going to happen from the government, uh, they will possibly discourage because uh, I am also privy to the fact that the physical institutions were uh, uh, wow, are are and wanting to be having twinning done with their tech organizations so that a combination is possible, which is being discouraged by the government. Policies may happen to discourage it uh, further. But I would say that we have to be open about that. Uh, factor which I spoke about is that many of the current ecosystem created of uh, today uh, will have to be demolished. Mm -hmm. Is there a need for you to be traveling so much uh, in the school buses or cars to go to distant schools and then uh, again increase the city pollution for the child doesn't even know that he is a part of that pollution. True, very true. Pollution. And also the classrooms uh, and everything, uh, the system that is created over there versus uh, you have localized uh, schools only, like the way it started off. Nobody traveled to go to school early. You walk to the school maybe a hundred years back. Mm. And if you had to go to a Gurukul equivalent of that, then you stayed in that Gurukul. Mm -hmm. And you will not be sent uh, unless you are certain age and above to that kind of uh, uh, places. So, uh, rewiring, re, uh, reshaping of the entire education system is in the offing in that one. So, a good part of the learning could be online sitting at home and a hybrid system in the, the local area. There will be uh, places available for because you need to have a community capability. I mean, textbook learning and uh, even online learning is insufficient. You learn a lot about life from other human beings. 100%. Observing them. 100%. So, observation can happen only the COVID is only current. But once COVID is over, children have to interact. They have to play. Their body has got to grow in the... Then only the mind has to grow. It doesn't have to be Very the other way. Hmm. So, body growth can happen only from physical activity. So, that there will be enough and more time for all of this. So, that is where the rejigging is going to be happening going forward. And the other point which I want to mention about that is... We created elitism as an education and the indication is by the uh, fee charged by the school, colleges, everything, everything. That is something which is also going to get demolished going forward. So modern way of education in 21st century will be having more and more freedom for that learner and not for the government. And they will reshape. It is going to happen. It's already started. It is uncontrollable. And I will mark my words on that. Give or take a, a 10 to 20 year period of time. You will not find these edifices of the big uh, things that uh, currently uh, the way it is configured. Uh, earlier when the government is controlling it, there was one positive about that. They were not uh, education, teaching, learning. All the processes were seen noble in nature. 
Now it has become business in nature in the past 20 plus years. It has had its positive because at least it was able to unclutch partially uh, control from the governance. So it is moved into private hands. But the private hands is another problem. Then they become profit-oriented. So profit orientation got into that. So we need to unclutch it from the profit orientation and go back to the combination of nobility into the education learning process. And thank God, uh, so are science you, are is you sort of hinting at, at like a fast pace. So are you are you like referring to like the public private partnership model where you know there is equal stake for both nobility and profit uh, centers to be in? Policy making left to the governance and execution left to private hands. In mm. that private hands, uh, it will not be organization who will learn. See, like, right now you uh, create an excellent school. Then you make a chain of schools. Then it becomes business. You create a great uh, college, engineering college. Then it becomes multiple across the country. So it becomes something like a business uh, empire. So that has got to be <laughs> demolished now. Because you can't maintain the quality everywhere that way. And it has got to be local True. in nature. So those yeah. are the, maybe at some point in time, privatization will again happen. So I'm, I'm curious to know, you work closely uh-huh. with startups. And um, yeah. you've uh, also invested uh, with, with some organizations as well. Um, I'm curious to know that a lot of startups are now gunning for the IPO race. And there is this unprecedented rush to list at the highest possible valuations. Um, what's your mindset since you've, you've run Thermax for three decades um, and, and uh, you've been associated with the organization for three decades. Uh, what's the mindset that you've built while running a public listed company or would you recommend something to founders when, when, you know, gunning for an IPO or running an IPO listed company? IPO, uh, going to IPO, asking for money from the market uh, and giving opportunity for wider spectrum of people to partake in a fortune creation there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would recommend that. See, otherwise, what are the options mm-hmm. available? The way the ecosystem is evolving for startups, it is idea germinated in the brains of uh, maybe one or few people, let us say that way. And they struggle a lot. It's not that it is easy to do a startup. And it is a real, real struggle. And then once they come to a level where uh, there is a revenue visibility, uh, there are people to uh, put in money, starting with the angel investors to venture capitalists to, and at some point in time, private equity equivalent to that. So most of the people, most of the people uh, will have a short-term uh, outlook only. Whereas if you list uh, in a stock exchange, you have a minimum of 100,000 shareholders, can be a million shareholders. So it's like a crowdfunding mm-hmm. in a different way, in a regulated way. Mm-hmm. And they don't come after right. you. Unlike a private equity who will nominate a director on the board and they may help you also. Venture capitalists will be supporting the CEO, but their intention is to exit with a 3x, 4x, 7x, 10x of the money that they put in. So it may have a shorter vision rather than a longer vision uh, of the organization. And there the results are more important than the efforts and maybe the direction that you're taking in. Uh, IPO, so in that account, it is a good uh, idea. The, the no way, because you go to people and tell, only thing is you got to be truthful when you are selling your shares. If you go to look at, say, maybe in the last uh, one year when the, you know, uh, IPO frenzy has happened, barring maybe few companies, everybody is uh, now at a lower level than what they offered the price. The True. At the time. True. That is unfair. So, which means uh, both are wrong. I mean, uh, the pricing was wrong, in my opinion. 
equally uh, the people who thought there is a value in that they were also wrong they did not do their due diligence so both are wrong so uh, first and foremost uh, there should be a visible revenue stream and a profitability stream because no those who are in the share market at the ipo level to buy a share to sell it within 2 to 3 years 4 years how different are they in comparison to a private equity or a venture capitalist Mm. if somebody were to buy an intrinsic value of that particular company looking at these guys are into say drone making and drones have got a future okay and uh, many things are going to get converted into uh, traffic above the earth that is a drone fundamentally what is happening on the earth now on the roads will go above because road can only be at one level drones can be at 100 levels i with me so that is going to be the future so i invest into that company then i want to see that company grow i only want to know that my invested capital whatever i bought it and it should come below that and i should be getting paid a dividend when they start making profit hmm. so organizations who cannot talk about a balance sheet that will make a profit for the next 5 years they going for ipo i don't think that is the right thing to do so they should still be working with this high pressured venture capitalist till they are uh, in this is my opinion personal opinion and uh, ipo there should there nothing wrong in going for ipo but then that's also something that's not happening right now right i think i think you mentioned about the five year plans and profitability a, a lot of i mean the the uh, the leaders such as yourself uh, who are regularly quoted uh, often talk about how uh, it's imperative uh, for businesses to have sound fundamentals uh, and then consider listing rather than premature businesses uh, but unfortunately a lot of businesses seem to be premature i would say that hardik uh, this early uh, days in india uh, the people the startups are also not fully seized upon nor is the investor investors believe that there is a lot of money available there and it is that been examples also when a share uh, post listing uh, costs at 275% of the listed value mm. it is uh, making uh, you know 175% profit in a, a day na? true so i mean even if i exit uh, within say maybe a week i mean nobody there no nothing that you can't sell the shares for 3 years na? i would right so i make a so the moment you look at an in, uh, investor as somebody who is interested in making money in in a short term i'm sorry then you are looking i mean fundamentally who is a shareholder even a chap who is a minority shareholder who holds one share has the same right as a majority shareholder that is a, that is a way you got to understand the moment you list your company make it public mm-hmm. the company which belong to three four of you put together and maybe a private equity put together the moment you open it for ipo the fundamental rights of a minority shareholder is not different than a majority shareholder so you are handing over to somebody who can own 100 shares of your company to ask a question in the agm and send you direct questions as to tell me reveal the details of the balance sheet hmm. so when you are willing to dilute you are willing to dilute your own ownership not by percentage alone that's where the mistake is happening so you need to understand when do you need to go to ipo number one similarly the market which is investing because see like it is not individual investors who are uh, going to the ipo it is a uh, advisors who tell the investor that that's a great ipo go buy it we can sell it and make big money so they will also learn one day sorry that's not the way to invest so mm. there is a lack of maturity on both the sides so in anything when maturity happens only after some time nobody is born as a mature person 
ിറ്റി Uh, is that how is it that you approach goal setting because you are constantly driven by numbers revenues targets but on the personal front um how is it that you approach goal setting or is is goal setting even important to you in the first place yes uh, you need to have a goal in your life to be precise when i joined thermax as a, tra- a trainee uh, i learned about the company very quickly about the hierarchy and uh, the company was that a private limited organization so the main promoter was a chairman and managing director and the maximum that uh, employee uh, an executive could rise was to be a member of the board of the company so i created a goal in my mind i never shared with anybody that point of time i have to end up as a director at least as a director of the company because i don't own shares nor can you own the company mm. so i should be on the board of the company as a director so that was the goal but that is not that i mean uh, then you made a path for it and no don't overwork on your goal so having a goal in career in life there nothing wrong in that okay i'm sure even a sanyasi has got a goal in his life that is useful <laughs> okay. all the while <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah uh, achieve maybe at some point of enlightenment day mm-hmm. everyone has got to have a goal in life otherwise you'll be wandering like a street dog now that's not so, the way. even they have got a goal they have got a goal to eat three times a meal so i would say every living being has got a goal right but 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 then yeah. do you do like a yearly review is there a process to this uh, do you do like a quarterly review of where are you headed i'm talking on a personal level um in in terms of achieving your dreams or ambitions your targets while that is your one overarching goal that you wanted to be the director um but were there a, a ways to map it or were was there a process to your uh, you know achieving the dreams or goals uh never uh, as a path of the taken and written down process was never done 100% till today i have not done a written down process and a reviewing every quarter mm. you review yourself every day but let me clarify to you you need to be cognizant of what's happening so i worked in the company in the initial days and did very well but somewhere i felt that uh, i was stagnating and uh, the systems weren't uh, supporting it was not moving at the pace that i wanted it to be happening so then i had an opportunity available somewhere outside i didn't have any qualms of leaving the company that one of time and i took over as a deputy regional head of a company at the age of 27 and i became an sbu head when i was 30 years of age in that company but then uh, those days in 19 1990 i'm talking about india was still a controlled economy and uh, wealth generation was not practical so i left the shores of the company to go abroad for a five year period to make my own wealth mm. then i came back and rejoined thermax in 97 and also worked and in all of that i was very clear that i have to be i can't be stagnating and i never left the company when i came back as a general manager because 
my role was changing it is almost like changing the job was happening within the company so i realized that i was not whenever i felt i'm stagnating i cannot stagnate because my body stagnated from the age of maybe 21 22 after that nothing grew in me my height remained the same if at all there's only deterioration <laughs> whereas my mind has to grow so i have to have avenues for activity mental activity that has got to be provided by the company mm. so they provided me for 23 continued years and even that i left at some point of time that and joined the academy where i did feel at some point of time that uh, managing a balance sheet which i did for 13 and a half years uh, creating the balance sheet for the company and prior to that for 7 years i was an executive uh, council member of the company so almost i would say from uh, 2000 to 2020 20 plus years i had been an active member of a cxo level and ceo uh, for 13 plus years so somewhere you felt that i mean no the challenges uh, can be managed uh, by the rest of the people my personal challenge now is how do i utilize my intellect that is where i decided that i want to teach i want to write and i don't want to be moving totally away from the industry so i'll be on the board of some companies so which is what i'm practicing today and if you really ask me hardik i possibly believe that i could have taken this step 5 years uh, uh, before i would have had a little longer uh, you know air strip available for a real take off Mm-hmm. the area that i am currently working on and why do you say earlier i mean was there was there something that you already were foreseeing or was it more like a heartfelt decision you wanted to take earlier today having experienced uh, this thing in the academy over here and i am a lot more actively involved with uh, beyond what i am doing in the academy also i was already there frankly speaking many people from the industry shy away from participating with the government or helping the government for Uh, area so i have chosen uh, uh, those days itself uh, technology as an area so i joined as a member of apex council for the prime minister's uh, doctoral fellowship uh, to choose the students and uh, to monitor that way back in 2013 i had been an active member and i had been a co-chair person of that apex council for a period of four years mm-hmm. i was a project approval uh, program committee member for the science and engineering research board of uh, the government of india for a fairly long period so that way i had been associated with higher education even when i was md of thermax not spoken outside those days but today i can very openly talk about it right so here again i am not doing this alone i am currently the chairman of the uh, central mechanical engineering research institute in uh, uh, durgapur i am helping another iit to set up a technology innovation hub for cyber physical security so a lot of things are there related to that uh, i'm able to do today that's why i mentioned about that 5 years earlier what i meant is i would have had five more years available uh, of my life active life where i could add value which will have a national importance uh, for a country like india where in my opinion see how much wealth will you want to create and generate i was in the process of creation of wealth for uh, long 37 years of my life of course i have done a lot in technology also during my tenure as a ceo of the company along with my cto we have been able to create uh, almost 300 patents which is unheard for uh, wow. an indian kind of a, yeah yeah so which all will help the organization in future and that will help humanity also but today i have got a wider canvas available see there it is more related to energy environment today the themes that we work are in my academy are artificial intelligence Uh, machine learning advanced robotics as one vertical smart materials because the world is changing in such a fast pace miniaturization is a necessity usage of materials taken from earth has got to come down a circular economy is another term uh, the, the theme that we work on uh, biosciences because see 
human wellness is uh, not given as much importance uh, by anybody so far but now that is going to be the most important thing going forward so that is another thing that we are working on and then uh, you need to have see management exactly as you mentioned about can't be technology alone so we have a humanities and management also as another uh, vertical so such a wider spectrum uh, and in that supporting research students and that to the one of a, the very rare uh, programs in fact to be the first in the world in uh, 2008 uh, we have taken the initiative to have a jointly batch program between uh, monash university of australia and iit bombay even today uh, there is only one more program that i am aware of where there is a jointly batch phd program in the world is existing and succeeding and we have graduated uh, given phd to 180 students so far in such specialized areas mm. and the ip creation is extremely good and my uh, going forward uh, wish is that to support many more startups out of the technology that we are getting created so i'm creating an ecosystem for it and thank god iit has got a sign which is a extremely well respected uh, incubation center so utilizing the entire system how many more startups can we incubate from oh, the technology is sure. created for sure yeah, so those are the kind of thing that we were no i think i think uh, dr blindathra has been helping sign so beautifully uh, and 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 the startups that is incubated is absolutely incredible you know hearing your responses uh, you know i'm i'm reminded of uh, something mr ashish bhandari said the current ceo and md of thermax he said that for you uh, that your stage so far had been thermax but now going forward it will be india and listening to your responses it literally makes me feel that uh, uh, your five year prior thought that is now being manifested right now really is uh, long overdue uh, one of the things that i wanted to ask you and you you touched upon this briefly um, with your current role um what are some exciting and and a couple of them uh, i'm sure there are many but maybe a few top things that run into your mind uh, what are some interesting tech that you're observing right now uh, that you really think are path breaking in nature say uh, when you uh, do food processing say let's take an example of making jams and let's say say pineapple jam to be brief so you will be using few kilograms of uh, raw pineapple to make a uh, Uh, one kilo of pineapple jams ratio can be one to seven. Seven kgs of fruit used for maybe one kg, for example. Uh, and how much will you sell the jam for? You may sell it for say maybe at the best uh, five to six hundred uh, rupees a kilogram, uh, including all the profit expectations of everybody, plus uh, also the cost of the, up to the fa- farmers and computer. so how much of efforts are needed by the earth to produce that pineapple and human beings to make it into a jam and put it on the shelf and sell it and the waste that you're throwing out is seven times more than the jam that you sold which is a pollution problem later mm with me so that agro waste if one way to process if you to study that what all chemicals are available there which are of use to humanity well there are peptides available there which can be sold for maybe 10 times the cost of a jam but nobody has worked on that and created a technology which is commercially viable by which you can extract it out of that so this is something which we are researching on now interesting and uh, we are yeah we are creating uh, you know ip out of that and i'm sure this is going to be ending up into uh, uh, some larger organization utilizing it or maybe if uh, we are able to motivate the people who created the youngsters to have a start up on so similar so this is an area of uh, uh, where you talk about uh, circular economy hmm 
So, because this is something where you are taking something which is getting wasted and a higher value addition to be done. Right, right. So, this is already on and uh, this I talked about pineapple, but we already have uh, reached up to a certain level in uh, another uh, pomegranate uh, uh, extract that is a waste that is coming. Pomegranate uh, juice that comes out of that is hardly any weight in comparison to the main pomegranate. And there are multiple chemicals in the fruit as well as in the seed. So studying that and then extracting it because the quantum that you produce of the waste is much more than the juice that you produce out of that. So that is an area where the raw materials are already coming. So how do you take out of that waste something which is going to be useful, which otherwise the earth is, we are producing it in a chemical way. So one is that you don't need to put in so much of efforts. The earth has already done it. You only need to be extracting. So this is one I can talk about. Uh, say other one, uh, on, uh, you know, we were doing uh, research on uh, uh, sequestration of carbon dioxide because that's a big problem. Carbon dioxide, one way that we are trying to do in the world is to reduce uh, fossil fuel combustion. But I'm, I'm sorry to say that way, including the developed world, nobody is going to shut off the coal-fired power plants and oil-fired and gas-fired power plants, which produce electricity for at least the next 25, 30 years time. Mm-hmm. And at the best, uh, the world can tell India, don't develop any coal-fired power plants. It may be happening. But do you think America is going to shut down all of them? Is Germany going to shut down all of them day after tomorrow? All of them are signatory for it. They are telling, we will continue polluting. You guys don't pollute anymore. This is a kind of pressure mm. going back and forth. To my own reckoning, predominant part of the energy in majority of the larger consumers, including China, are from uh, fossil fuels even today. May continue for 20, uh, 25, 30 years. 2050 is something many countries are telling will become net zero. Some countries are telling 2070. So what happens for the next 50 year period of time, 30 to 50 year period? So, you may have to think about, can you reduce uh, uh, carbon dioxide emission? And also, can you do something with the carbon dioxide? So, one of the thought processes to sequester, that is capture and put it under the earth. But there are a lot of issues related to that. So, we are currently working on, can we convert the carbon dioxide into carbon monoxide? And further, can we extract carbon from that? But if you just take carbon, the value is not too good. So, is there a way by which you can produce high-value carbon? For example, let me tell you, ordinary carbon may be worth only a few thousand rupees a, a ton. Mm-hmm. Whereas a graphene, if you can make a ton, you may get a few million dollars out of that. Interesting. So, Interesting. so a research of a technology where carbon dioxide, extraction of carbon. Mm-hmm. Second is any hydrocarbon, in any case, plastics is uh, overwhelmingly utilized by all of us. So there, can you, instead of again uh, refining some more petroleum, crude petroleum, can you use this carbon dioxide in the earth or that you're emitting, converted into hydrocarbons? So organic chemistry research related to that has been done by us. So when we see this, so what we do, the research is uh, uh, very, very valuable for today. And the moment we are able to have a commercially viable thing done, see in a research, academic research, you will not be able to come to a commercial viability in everything. Mm-hmm. So we may have to have the next level development done in terms of an incubation. And uh, if it works out, that is multiple brains uh, will be utilized for it. And that's the greatness of IIT. IIT has got uh, more than 800 professors of highest quality. And similarly, my institute is uh, jointly run between uh, Monash University, which has got another 7,000 professors of global nature available, starting with the medical college to pharma college to 
uh, engineering institute to law institute to everything put together so we are targeting to ensure that this is a kind of thing which i mean i can give only a glimpse of this a lot right. is being done by us. i'm sure so I'm every sure. area that we work for example in another one that we are doing is we are trying to create a digital twin uh, for a supply chain which uh, currently nobody is working on everybody is working on a digital twin on manufacturing in the factory how to do maybe a, a manufacturing process of uh, industry 4.0 compliant but there is no need for human beings but how about supply chain so we do there's a management topic to be done so we are currently on with an industry partnership we are working on that so there are n number of thing 5g is evolving right now so currently we are diverting a lot of our artificial intelligence area for application related uh, to 5g and which are uh, possibly supported by because just by doing an internal research won't take it to the market so we are currently aligning with some of the larger it majors of the country global let us say that in nature that they will somebody has to take it to the market even if a startup is there unless you align with a larger organization to grow that business will be difficult on that so that is another area that we are working on so there are i mean if i have to talk about there are 170 phd's currently in my academy wow uh, predominant okay. part of them are uh, on to scientific area predominant part hmm. i would say that uh, 75 80% of them are on to science and technology areas so those are all going to be very very important i think it's definitely encouraging i was just saying and and about to say that uh, just hearing the kind of examples that you're giving and the kind of talent that you are exposed to and the technological talent that india is actually housing uh, at your at your academy it's it's really i think a bright bright future ahead for for the country just in terms of understanding uh, the impact technology can make on the lives of people just outside creating capital wealth so that's that's definitely very very inspiring uh with the breadth of experience that we've had uh, over this illustrious journey i'm very curious to know um what are some things some learnings some truths you've been able to identify now which weren't very apparent earlier in your journey yeah in the that process uh, i would say that uh, being a learner doesn't take you anywhere being a member of a team and people being around uh, with you is the one that makes a difference for you because of which you should have an ability to be inclusive in your mind so you are able to be treating others with a lot of respect a lot of humility and uh, including them along with you if this can happen this is visible at a young age i mean thankfully i had that great opportunity as a youngster because i come from a rural background i mean lived in a village equivalent to that and there uh, uh, you mingle with people a lot you don't isolate yourself which i do find uh, as a issue uh, in the current generation because you have maybe limited number of friends only one two you can count them on the hand uh, they could be the dependable one but you should have that ability to be uh, having going out of your way to include people into your system so that is something which uh, i would say i learned and i have continued to be doing that but if you want to know from me what are the new learnings for me which i did not know when i started it and where am i standing on that is that uh, uh high thinking alone doesn't make you reach anywhere a lot of efforts are needed because anybody is free to think it doesn't cost you anything but True. it costs a lot of efforts and sweat uh for you so one has got to have that ability to convert your thinking into action and that is the biggest challenge for human beings and i was able to overcome that at a fairly early stage because i had inspiration within me 
that I wanted to be doing certain things and I was willing to compromise. So I possibly slept uh, all through my life uh, from the student days till today, not more than five hours a day. And I never felt uh, uh, negative about it. My body got used to that. Mm. Whereas I've seen a lot of them idling around. Because this uh, life is a gift. In that gift, I mean, you can idle around. You can utilize your intellectual and physical capability combination. Is uh, That's the first learning. I would say that uh, uh, early part of uh, my life, I was not so careful about my health. And today I would say that uh, I could have been. But anyway, at least I've started uh, uh, yoga and I've started uh, kriyas mm-hmm. at fairly early stage. So I would say that if you are a little more spiritual in nature, I don't say religious at all. You don't need to be following any religion, but you can still be uh, spiritual. True. Absolutely. That is where you become meditative and you are understand, trying to be dialoguing a lot more with you than with the rest of the world at certain age and above. And you find your own answers and you have to find it above. And the moment you are able to guide yourself and dialogue with you a lot more, then path will be open for you. It will get opened for you. So that is the spirituality which I would talk about, which is missing today. A lot. So we need to be inculcating that in the newer generation. And in that religion is not an answer. Let me be open with you. Can that be used as a tool? I don't know. I don't want to comment on that. But however, mm-hmm. I can tell you very clearly that beyond the physical ability and mental capability, so physical capability, you grow yourself and beyond that, uh, it st- stops growing at the age of 21, equal unto that. Mental faculties will continue to be trained by maybe institutions, management institutes, engineering colleges, and even the ecosystem that uh, uh, you work in a company, all that mental challenges will be given to you so that you will have growth of that available. But beyond that, you exploring yourself to control yourself, to utilize both your body and mind, uh, where you do what you really are uh, happy doing. That is what is spirituality for me. That you are in control, your spirit is in control of your mind and body. So that, uh, uh, for that, you don't have to be a big, uh, big time leader in an industry or in maybe government or anything. You can be a very ordinary person working as a bank clerk. Or maybe you could be working as a, maybe I would say that an office boy or a delivery boy in the 21st century for somato. I mean, you can still be spiritual in your thinking. True. That is what gives you a lot of happiness. Right. People should think about that. And uh, that's the uh, next learning I have. Uh, third one, I would say that if you want to be free, you've got to be secured about yourself. Uh, uh, and that has got to be partially uh, your financial security. And which uh, you should plan. Financial security is something we should plan and you don't have to be climbing the stairs of the corporate world or maybe the bureaucratic world for it. You can be at any level because the needs are controlled by you and you make the means for it for a life. Because in the modern world and the world the way it is changing, you have to be providing for yourself for the rest of your life. Say Normally an Indian should aspire to be living up to mid-80s. So you should have enough and more, not depending upon uh, the way we had earlier, the children looking after the parents. So that is the next learning. I, mean, I would believe in that. one. And uh, the process of learning never stops. And it should not stop. Because in companies, uh, they depreciate the physical assets. That is why there is a big depreciation on the balance sheet. Mm. But intellectual capabilities of yours also is getting depreciated. So you need to work on yourself. Because what I was one year back is uh, not the same uh, only as a uh, year down the line. Because the value of what I knew, what my intellect was, 
is less useful to the society a year down the line am i putting in efforts to intellectually appreciate me at any age it is possible at 70 you can appreciate your intellect at 80 you can do that way but that won't happen sitting in a place it will happen only when you have that clarity in your mind that you're becoming obsolete like the way machine becomes obsolete you're also a machine yeah you're a human machine true, so how true. are you appreciating it is something which one has got to do continuously then only you will be useful to the society and you should never be useless to the society whatever be the age of yourself if you are useful to the society you will be a happy human being those are some very valuable pointers there i mean um, thank you so much for sharing um, i must ask on a concluding note what is something that you are aspiring to still achieve i'm sure you've you've checked a lot of things from your life but is there something that you're still gunning towards Certainly no, I'm not gunning towards anything. Uh, I presume that uh, this is a time in my life where I don't need to look at anything material, but there is a lot of material in my uh, ability which I can pass on to the next generations. See, I could have chosen also to uh, start an NGO or maybe becoming a part of an NGO. True. There, are, I'm in my opinion, there are enough and more people who can do that way. Whatever I have gained and accumulated. Uh, in my intellect is uh, there is a part of that is going to be useful for the future and that has got to be given to uh, the next level of people uh, in the process of learning which means they want it from me then only i can give it i cannot thrust it upon somebody so i'm exposing me to an ecosystem where people will seek it if they need it so uh, academy is one area coaching is another area i support a lot of uh, startups uh, i it just free for them they only need to fix a time come and talk to me mm. and then whatever is available from my side guiding them so i mean in fact i mean i have come to a level where time is a limitation i wish i that's why i told you if i had more time available if i could manufacture more than 24 hours available in my <laughs> life <laughs> i would have been able to give it uh, better so that is only goal i have and that's a very strong goal and i want to be relevant so i do a lot of reading i do when see today when i interact with the startup the youngsters i get a lot more energized i have experience available and what they have is energy and new fresher thinking mm. when you become a part of their thinking and don't guide them that is another big mistake you can do that i mean you start from a pedestal when i talk to a youngster i don't uh, I, ideally i would like to be at the same level i don't even mind at certain uh, areas where uh, i feel i'm lower than them i don't have any problem a founder of a company i mean i have got experience of uh, the modern day youngsters when they have got ideas and success has already happened and they can be little strong right not that they are being arrogant or anything they are very forceful in that one i mean i would have got matured at this particular age so i should have an ability to talk to him as if i am a subordinate to him but mm-hmm. he will take it from me very interesting view point you have to do that way you cannot remain on a pedestal at every start when i was a ceo of a company i was a ceo of the company but today when i am dialoguing with a startup ceo and i have got to talk to him or maybe a, even a person who's a smaller company 500 crore company being run by his managing director and ceo and he started the company reached over there he is approaching me for an advice how to professionalize my company i can have two options in that one i can give by big talk about uh, what i did in thermax and how we professionalized the company and how we took the company from 500 to 5000 in 10 years that is trying to overwhelm somebody with your ability or your past sorry mm. here i listened to him as to why does he want to do what he wants to do what way can i help you 
So in that, I don't bring in what I've done earlier. I need to understand what is the reality of his particular organization and add value and give him some, uh, see, it's something like a torch in your hand. So he is already looking in a particular direction. The rest of the areas are dark for him. But there's light, he's already seen it. So where there is darkness in his thinking, I use the torch of my brain and show it to him that this is what I feel. With the torch, can you see something different over there? Do you think that is worthwhile for you? So once this is done, you become a torch bearer only. No? You're not a guide. Mm. You're not leading him. Mm. You're only showing with your torch. So this is something which I'm enjoying. I mean, when I do this. Wonderful, wonderful. I am so glad to hear all your wonderful perspectives right when we started off on our video interview in 2019, uh, when we did the YouTube show Bosses on Internet to now doing this podcast has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Hardik. It is, a, uh, I mean, in fact, I also enjoy talking to you whenever I have an opportunity. I hope it will be useful for the uh, listeners of this program. I'm Thank sure you. it will be. All the best. If you enjoyed this episode of Jamsters, please make sure you subscribe to EPLog Media and all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, among many others for upcoming episodes. You know, I love listening from each one of you. So please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues. And please make sure to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. And also, if you're listening on EPLog Media, they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too. Your support is my fuel. You can connect with me on Instagram at the rate Hardik Vaidya or on LinkedIn too. Catch you on the other episode.